The Web's Michael Smith. It's episode 65 of the Canes cast. Yes. I was asking you what to do now. Oh. Aren't we supposed to retire at 65? I guess so. We have our AARP cards yet? We should. At least the Canes cast. Should. I don't think mine. Well, let's check the mail. Make sure they came. Lots of things get lost in the mail. That's true. Then lots of things get found. Wow. I'm not going to go off on a rant how I had something sent to me by a certain mailing company that could be federal and sometimes express, mm. and then it never got to me, and then they still charged me and said, well, we said we delivered it. Wow. Yeah, but I'm not bitter about that. Also, like it. also, let's talk about how big a win it was for the Carolina Hurricanes on Monday night, as that's why we have a Tuesday edition of the Canes cast, episode mm-hmm. 65. Mm-hmm. Because they found a way to get a win in overtime over the Chicago Blackhawks and their former friend and teammate. Well, I think he's still their friend, but their former teammate, Cam Ward. Yeah, I'd have to think they're still generally friends. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, I I did like the answer that Justin Williams gave in the locker room. (laughs) (laughs) We're friends. We created bonds playing hockey together. But as far as playing a hockey game that night, that's where the allegiance ends. Right. They all wished him well. Uh, in life and in hockey, but just not last night. I think for the Carolina Hurricanes, and I would like to think for their fans, that game went as well as you could expect. Yeah, You get the two points. Cam Ward played well. Scott Darling played well. The game goes to overtime, and it's a great play by Sebastian Ajo that wins the game. Kind of a sneaky goaltender's duel. I mean, I, I didn't really expect that to happen uh especially with with these two teams you know considering what happened just a few days ago in chicago where the hurricanes jumped out to that big lead and chicago pushed back and and made it a game there in the third period um and chicago's still desperate for their first win under their their new head coach jeremy colletson i think i expected more of a an open game but it was kind of a, a sneaky goaltender's battle. Well, it was an open game. I just think That's the goalies true. played really well. That's true. I mean, when you take a look at the shots total, which I know Canes fans are getting tired of hearing, but Corsi, Fenwick, Corsica, and everything else with a hashtag fancy number. <laughs> so seemed to like that. But, no, the goalies are the reason why it didn't get out of hand. Heading into the game, I think you and I actually talked about it yesterday at the morning skate. I expected that to be a blowout one way or the other. That it would be too emotional for Cam Ward. It would be one of those kind of games where, especially that position where you got to keep calm, he'd be too amped up. Or the other end of the rink, Scott Darling, you know, sometimes we talk about how this game is mental. Could he put what happened against Detroit in the rearview mirror? Or would that carry over against his former team? And it's a big night for Cam Ward and everything that comes in. And I think both goalies stole the show. Mm-hmm. They really, truly did. And it was an entertaining hockey game to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think it took the Hurricanes a period, maybe a period and a half, to really get to their game for whatever reason. Um, but once they did get to their game, they were able to use special teams, and uh, in particular the power play, to their advantage. And that was a difference maker last night. And that's what you need your power play to be. And, and for the Hurricanes through the first month and a half of the season more times than not it was not a difference maker or it was the difference maker in a negative sense exactly and last night it was uh, the hurricanes had two power plays they scored two goals those were the two goals that helped them tie the game in regulation and and eventually force overtime so once they found their game and got to it i thought they played really well some defensive breakdowns early that cost the hurricanes and i don't think there's much Scott Darling could have done on, on, uh, on either of those two goals at Jonathan Taves wide open in front of the front of the net. He tips it in. That's goal number one. Uh, and I just, I thought he played well when it was one, nothing. Yep. Uh, he made two big saves, one on Patrick Kane and, and the other on, um, yeah, who was the other one on? Well, you can take your pick. I mean, Artem Anisimov had chances. Uh, Brandon Nick Schmaltz. Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz had Nick Schmaltz. Uh, chances. Uh, for, sorry for the Brandon Schmaltz family for bringing you into this. They do have uh, three Brandons on their roster. Yes. Um, Lots of Brandons. But it was it was Nick Schmaltz who had a great yes. chance. He had a breakaway attempt, uh, snuck behind the Canes defense there, and, and Darling was – I thought he was big in net on that save um, and just – kept the left pad about you know right where he needed to and, yep. and uh, absorbed that shot so was was big for the hurricanes when they were breaking down their down one nothing 
Of course, the Blackhawks would extend uh, their lead to 2 nothing, but uh, the Hurricanes did find their game later on in the second period and, and rode that wave right into overtime where it was a completely different overtime period from what we saw on Saturday against Detroit where Rod Brindamore says that was probably the worst overtime he had seen his team play in a long time because usually they're the ones controlling the play, controlling the chances. He thought Detroit uh, defended yep. exceptionally well. But last night, the Hurricanes get back to that that control, that pace. Uh, it's sort of wave after wave of their attack in three-on-three. Three. And, of course, it was Sebastian Ajo, who I, I think has been far and away the Hurricanes' best player in the first month and a half here, who who wins the game on a, on a very patient play yep. uh, to get uh, – to get Brent Seabrook uh, flopping on the oh. ice for whatever reason, and then Cam Ward moving moving laterally, opening up his five hole and perfectly placed shot to the back of the net. Yeah, and it was a win that comes at a perfect time because now instead of everybody looking and saying, well, the Canes have one win in their last seven games, well, the Canes are now 2-0-1 in their last three. Right. So remember, it depends on how you look at it. I want to go to goaltending for just a second. Sure. Look, it'd be great to sit here and say that the Hurricanes have Vesna caliber goaltending, and this is what every team wants and what you need to do. But in a from a 30,000-foot view of what teams want from their goaltenders, and I believe Rod Brindamore said it last night in the postgame, Michael, what he wants and what teams need, you make the save that keeps your team in the game. And yep. that's what Scott Darling did last night, and hopefully this is a springboard. But now there's four days off in between games, so the Canes have – a bunch of time to rest up. They've got some bumps and bruises. Like Brett Pesci has a lower body injury. Yes. As we're learning in the parlance of our time. That's what you have to say, especially the, the new head coach. So that's good where he gets a chance to rest up right now. But I think it's also a good chance for the Canes. They're going to have three big practice days. As we're recording this, uh, the team took a trip out to Fort Bragg. Yes. And uh, pay honor to the servicemen and women of our country who are there. So they're having a big day, but it's also a chance to reset and, and maybe look back and see where they're at and what they've been able to do. In the way the Metro Division is right now, Michael, all you have to do is just find a way to get points and not go on, and unfortunately the Canes did, but go on five-game losing streaks. But if you can get points right now, like if you lose games in overtime or in the shootout, but you can hang in there, there's not that much separation from the top to the bottom of the Metro. so right. There really isn't. So while the Canes, it's one of these things where in years past, this would have been a swoon where, all right, they're five points out of a playoff spot. They're five points out of first place if you're looking at this realistically right now. And three actually they're three points place. out of first place with the win last night. Because so. just five points separates uh, the first place team, which is currently Columbus. That'll probably change yep. tonight. I would imagine, and the seventh-place team, Washington, with 17 points, uh, the defending Stanley Cup champions. So there's not – by the end of the week, by the time the Hurricanes play next on Saturday, they might be in seventh place. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and it's, but that's why it's very that, likely. But that's why that win against Chicago right. was so important because it keeps them from – yeah, they might be in seventh place, but they might only be out of first place by – six points yeah. instead of being out of a playoff spot by six points. And, and I think that's the key now. And you look at what's left on the homestand. Columbus is leading the division. Mm -hmm. And I don't know and I don't understand where some of the people who were coming in and going, well, I think Columbus is going to be down this year. I get the fact that they have the Panarin and Bobrovsky contract situations hanging over their head. It's a good team. It's a team that made the playoffs last year. But – it's a team that the Hurricanes got a real good win against yes. uh, in the in their second game of the season. First road game of the year. First road game of the year. Columbus's home opener. Uh, really. Uh, Hopefully the lights stay on for this one. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was nationwide's problem. Yeah. That's Forgot right. to pay the bill, I guess. Well, not on our side that night. No. So. Well, on our side, not on their side. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, then New Jersey's next. New Jersey is floundering to try to find their game. Mm -hmm. So that's one that you got to win. Then in comes two teams from the Atlantic Division. Toronto might be one of the best teams in the NHL this year. They just might. Yep. Uh, and then you get Florida, who looks like they've found their game the last four or five. So these four games that are left, uh, the Canes have to. There's eight points up for grabs. Got to get six. I mean, that's the way that, that it goes. But the way that the division is, they get six. They're keeping themselves right where they need to be keep by the pace. time we roll around in November. Right. And, and that's or what to the end of November, I should say. 
It was it was good for the Hurricanes uh, to end that four game road trip. I know last time we we talked to you guys was was last Monday. The Hurricanes were halfway through their four game road trip. Eight days it felt like thirty five. It felt like a while, but it was just a week. Yeah. We were just gone a week. Yep. The Hurricanes had, had gotten one point in their first two games on that road trip, coming off that shutout loss in, in Vegas. Uh, dropped another game uh, in Columbus, uh, excuse me, St. Louis the next night, and then finally uh, got in the win column in Chicago. And that, that was a big win for the Hurricanes to stop that, that five-game winless skid. Yep. It was a big win for the team to, to, to get something that they could potentially build off of heading into this season-long six-game homestand. The, the shootout loss to Detroit on Saturday stung uh, quite a bit, I think especially considering that the Hurricanes had the two-goal advantage. Well, that's why it stings. Right. Had, had the 3-1 lead in the third period against a team that they had essentially dominated all season long. But Detroit, for their third straight game, erases a multi-goal deficit yep. uh, to win a game. And then it was the Hurricanes who erased a multi-goal deficit against the Chicago Blackhawks. That's the type of win, especially heading into this, this four-day break, that could be the springboard for this team to, to maybe – maybe push them to the next level because I think, and if you ask the, the guys in the locker room or, or head coach Rod Brendamore, the message is that they are trending in the right direction. But since the beginning of the season, since that 4-0-1 start, I don't think we've consistently seen the results, the, the results that we saw early on. So if the Hurricanes can get back to that, get back to producing wins on a regular basis, it's going to set them up to, to – return to the playoffs for the first time and uh you know since 2009 well i think you use the magic word though michael and it's consistency yes and you know we can talk about how this team is improved and they are they've improved the talent level from last year to this year but they're also young and young players they really struggle to find consistency night in and night out like this is the game that i'm gonna have it, this is what you can expect from me you get wild swings. Uh, we've seen it a little bit with Andrei Svechnikov. Some games you look at A+, plus, other games you look at eh, C, because he's trying to find his way. Warren Fogle, the same thing. They're young. They're, they're just trying to find their ways through this. Watch a few other guys, though, some veterans. I'll bring up a name, Jordan Martinuk. Every night you get the same thing out of Jordan Martinuk. That's what being a, a pro is and having that experience. And once this team, once these guys find that, that gear that they can stay in, and be in that lane for the entire season, they are going to pick up points. They're not going to go through a five-game winless skid because every night they're going to throw this game that we've seen with lots of shots on goal, but more importantly, more scoring chances, mm -hmm. and they're going to see more and more chances go in once they get to that rhythm of, of how to play. This is what we need to do. This is how we win games. And I, I think that that game last night against Chicago is big because every game right now is a learning tool for this team. Even the loss against Detroit, it's learning. Right. It's learning what to do when you've got a 3-1 lead. It's learning what to do when you're down 2 to nothing. And all of a sudden, don't look now, the power play has been red hot the last yeah. three, four games. Uh, would you say it's turned a corner? I don't know. I, I will be hesitant to say that because everybody who wanted to say that the power play was god-awful, it was – and the proof's in the pudding. Mm -hmm. So I can't sit here and, and give a company line with a – straight face and expect everybody to eat it but they were getting chances they just weren't getting goals mm -hmm. well nobody cares that you have nine scoring chances on four power play opportunities they care if you get zero or four goals that's what they're looking for so while they've done it i just want to see go back to the consistency word right. the level of consistency that we've seen because i don't want them to be a schizophrenic power play unit where they score five power play goals and 12 tries, and then go 20 tries and have two. Mm -hmm. Like, just just give us that, get to that 20%, which that's a, a great marker to be at. You're in the top half, but pick if they go 20% from here on out, add it on to their previous number, they'll be what? I'm not a math major, but Neither am you know, I. it'd be in the team somewhere. Sure. That's fine. Just look for consistency. But, you know, I, I – I'll I'll reserve judgment and say that it's turned a corner, but yeah. I, I think that the results are now there that weren't, right. and it's it's it pays off. It makes the coach when he says the opportunities were there, I think a little bit happier that he sees them go in. Well, and when the results come, they've come at a time, especially last night, Monday night against Chicago, 
they came at a time when the Hurricanes desperately needed him. Yep. It was the perfect opportunity. The first power play of the game, there probably could have been a few before that, but the first power play of the game happens on a delay game penalty. The Hurricanes down to nothing, starting to find their game a little yep. bit, but needed something, needed something to jumpstart him. And they got that goal. Uh, from Tavo Teravainen right off three seconds into the power yep. play. Face-off win, clean face-off win by Sebastian Ajo. Teravainen rips it. And after that, from, from that point on through the end of the period, the Hurricanes were buzzing. And I think it was on the, the next shift that they drew yep. uh, another penalty and, of course, scored on the ensuing power play. So I think as long as as long as the power play is, is making a difference, whether that results in goals or just simply results in uh, creating momentum for the team, I think it's it's turned a corner. And, and so far in the last week, we've seen the results there. Uh, and now the challenge ahead of the Hurricanes is to continue that, to continue to produce results on the power play. Like you said, be consistent. Well, the other thing, too, everybody is always looking for some magic potion or, you know, this is the super secret plan. I asked Dave Oterevine last night off of the draw, was the thought a one-timer right away? or wait for the defense to come across and take away Cam Ward's eyes. And his exact answer was, I just shot it as hard as I could. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> folks. Sometimes it's just a simple game. Yeah. When you're, when you're looking for all of these answers, and when you're struggling, you mm. look for the magic pill. But sometimes it's just shoot as hard yep. as you can. Simple clean face-off win, wind and fire. Yep. Close, a, maybe a, close you even close your eyes. I don't know. Hey, A plus B equals C sometimes. Sure. That's it. Checks out. Yeah, it usually does. That's math that you and I can go with. <laughs> uh, I, I want to pick your brain real quick because we do have some questions to get to mm. via the old Twitter machine. Mm. But uh, they had the Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Monday night in Toronto. And uh, I'm not going to go off on a rant on anybody who got in, who whatever. But I can say that... Um, Pretty much everybody is deserving to get into the Hall of Fame. On the, the players' side, definitely Marty Brodeur. I mean, what more could he have done as a goaltender? Uh, Martin St. Louis and the, the career that he cobbled together that was never supposed to be because too small, too this, too that, and just turned into a great player. And Willie O'Ree, long overdue, great ambassador for the game, first black player to be in the National Hockey League, and what he's done, especially the last 20 years, to raise awareness of, of this game and get – more people involved in it you know these are all all people who you can point to and say they deserve to be in and on the other side you know I just always go to everybody wants to know who snubbed who's this there's the long preamble why in the world is Rod Brindamore not in the Hall of Fame right <laughs> I mean I, I people ask me this all the time I have no good answer for yeah, it and I think I saw you and Shane discussing it on the the pregame show the other night we did but I didn't hear anything so enlighten me please well I mean, for me, you look at his numbers, you look at his credentials. There's one thing that I think is an automatic ticket. You know, every sport has their, if you reach this marker, you get in. He doesn't have 500 career goals, not in the, in the regular season. But you look at his playoff appearances and the numbers he put up in the playoffs. The fact that he's a two-time Selkie Award winner, which goes to the best defensive forward in the league, and he was just that. The fact that he captained the Carolina Hurricanes to a Stanley Cup and was, you know, if it wasn't for Cam Ward turning in sparkling performances uh, to win the Conn Smythe, he probably would have been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Yep. You look at all of the things that he's done, plus just what a leader he is. You know, talk to anybody who's ever played with him. Last year, you know, we did that. And I was talking about, you know, what Rod Brindamore meant to the organization because it was the 20th anniversary, and you mentioned his name to his teammates, and they lit up, and they told you, this is what he is, this is what he does, this is what he means. I don't know. I don't know why, because his resume is similar to a lot of guys who are already in that building in Toronto. And, I mean, I don't know if we need to do a, a letter-writing campaign or put together a PowerPoint or whatever it is. Maybe both. Fine. Let's get it going here. Yeah. Here on episode 65 of the Canes cast, stumping for Rod Brindamore <laughs> to get in the hall. Yeah, I agree. But there's there's also another little saying, and it, I've got to modify it, but a – I believe a uh, Supreme Court justice one time was asked the definition of something. And it's like, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. You know what a Hall of Famer is? It's hard to define because it's nebulous. Mm -hmm. Lots of things go into it. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you a Hall of Famer when I see one. Yeah. 
and Rod Brindamore was a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. You don't play on Olympic teams in all of those world championship teams and World Cup of hockey teams. You don't you don't get there unless you are a special player. And he was just that. And he was as good and he could have been even better offensively, but he also was a guy who every night was getting the other team's top forward yeah. and shutting them down. And when he had to take on reduced roles or whatever it was, was happy to do that in favor of his team. Exactly. And that's, you know, I, I, I think he, he certainly embodies the spirit of what it means to be a hockey Hall of Famer. And, of course, we try not to be, although this is called the Canes cast, we're biased on this one. Uh, I'll, go full, I'll go full out. I'm biased on this one. This guy should be in the Hall of Fame. I think if you were to poll hockey people, I, I think a majority would say he would probably belong in the Hall of Fame. I would hope so. And I know that's a, uh, that's a very vague uh, concept, hockey people, majority. But I, I, think, I think most would lean in favor of him. And I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Um, I don't know if it ever will happen. But hopefully one day it does. Well, it should. Because I, 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 do think he, I do think he belongs uh, in the conversation among, you know, the, the, the greatest players to have, who have played in this league. Well, uh, I think he's a guy who should be there. Um, okay. Just bringing up names of players who he is, you know, near. When you talk about, you know, similar careers and scores, he's up there with names like, Shane Doan, who recently retired from Arizona. Mm -hmm. But guys like Alex Delvecchio, Dino Cicerelli, Johnny Buczek. Um, I mean, these are guys who – or Johnny Busick, I should say. I'll get that right. Um, you know, these are guys who are in the Hall of Fame, maybe different eras, but – Shane Doan's not. But when I bring up right. Busick and Delvecchio, right. yeah, they played in the original six. But, my God, Brendan Moore's a guy who could have played in any, any era. And I think it's just – Could probably play in this era. Probably. Probably. Could at least give you 10 minutes. Probably. I think. Probably. He's going to win you face-offs, and he'll he'll do whatever he's got to do to make sure that he is not on the, the wrong side of uh, the scoreboard, which is yep. things that you look for. I just wanted to throw that one out there, Michael. With yeah, the I thing, mean, so. I, I completely agree. Uh, it, I think it's a yearly sort of head-scratcher when the, the Hall of Fame inductees come out and he continues to be snubbed off the list. Not that it's really a surprise anymore. You know, it might have been early on when he was first eligible to get into the Hall of Fame, but uh, now it's just um, – it's unfortunate that he continues to be overlooked. Uh, I'm sure if, you, if you'd ask him, he'd say that uh, it doesn't really matter, but I, I think it would, be, uh, it, would be, it would be great to recognize what, what he did for the sport, um, uh, especially here in, in Raleigh, North Carolina with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely so. Uh, I just I think that it's one of those things where you want to see him get in and go from there. All right, what else is on your mind? Well, you mentioned goaltending earlier um, and the topic of Scott Darling, and he he likes to play the Blackhawks. I think it's safe to say that he, he enjoys playing against his former team, his hometown team. Uh, he made 35 saves on 38 shots in the Hurricanes' 4-3 victory there last week, made 32 saves, 33 saves on 35 shots, in uh, Monday's 3-2 uh, overtime victory against them. And now the challenge is ahead of him to string back-to-back -back wins together for the first time ever as a Hurricane. He's, he, he's still yet to put together two consecutive victories with the Hurricanes. Yep. And, and for him to be the Hurricanes' number one goaltender, for him to be the, the goaltender that... Uh, they thought he could be when they traded for his rights and then signed him to a long-term deal. He needs to start stringing a few wins together. Uh, I think the Detroit game, if you talk to him, and he did talk after the game to his credit, uh, he would like, I'd say, at least two of those goals, two of the three goals back. Um, and three being the regulation goals. We're not even discussing what happened in overtime because I think, uh, or excuse me, the shootout, because once you get there, it's, it's a bit of a, a crapshoot as, as to who wins what. But uh, the three goals in regulation, I think he'd, he'd say he'd at least like two of them back. And uh, the challenge now ahead of him is if he gets to start on Saturday against Columbus, 
which I have to assume he, he probably will, and then perhaps the Hurricanes go to Curtis McElhaney on, on Sunday when, when the Devils come to town in a 5 o'clock game. Depending on Peter Mrazek's status. Depending, and we'll, we'll chat about that in just a second. But he's, he's got he's to string wins together. In yeah. order to be that number one goaltender, in order to be the one that, that's relied upon on a night-in, night-out basis, he's got to put up the results. Broken it's record plain here. and simple. Broken record here. Consistency yeah. is what has plagued this team. Not just this year, Michael, but for a few seasons of finding that level and staying at it. Um, and the players are saying the right things. They they like their game. That you know they like lots of parts of their game. Mm-hmm. But you have to like all of your game, the whole time, the whole way through. So, and if Scott Darling can get to that consistent level, and you know what, folks, goalies are going to let in bad goals. They just are. Oh, it's going to happen. It just happens. It's, it's magnified because they're the, the last line of, def- yes. of defense. What's perhaps not magnified is um, a bad read by the forward at the other end of the ice that then led to that goal. Uh, or, a defenseman you know, whiffing like on a clear, right. whatever. Um, all of those things. I mean, we could break down all of the little things, and you know what? People say, don't care. Stop the puck. Yeah, it, it, all of those little things add up to a scoring chance that then, of course, is yeah. on the goaltender to stop. But the argument is, should the scoring chance have even have been there before? Exactly. But let's just get back to this point where it's just become an obsessive thing for fans that a bad goal will outweigh 10 amazing saves that a goalie can make in the course of a game. Because, oh, the bad goal. And a bad goal does take away momentum it deflates a bench it, it creates doubt for the players who are on the ice and, and more importantly it creates doubt for the goalie so it's all of those things but it's always been amazing to me that people point to the one goal oh that's why they lost the game and nobody points to but he made nine great saves and that's why they were in the game with a chance to win it to begin with right it's just a, it's a tough position i mean honestly scott darling was the reason why the hurricanes were hanging around in, in monday night's game yeah. because until they found their game he had to come up with a couple big stops and he did but he has to and i will echo your sentiments he has to find that consistency and i think it sounds dumb but if he gets the net against columbus on saturday and wins the game it's going to go a long way because it'll yes. be the first time in a Canes uniform he's won back-to-back starts. Yep. So he's got to find a way to do that. Peter Mrazek, uh, dealing with a lower body concern uh, that he suffered in, in Arizona on November 2nd, uh, just over a week ago, uh, about. Uh, or 35 days, depending on if you're on that road trip with us. <laughs> it, uh, time got lost. Time, it, it changes. It, you're you're read of time is is completely off absolutely um but he's he's been working out off the ice uh, i haven't seen him on the ice in the last few days but that could just be us missing him exactly at certain times of the day so don't read into that too much um well it's like victor rask has been working and i have correct. rarely caught him on the ice but i know he's working and he's back to actually using uh of going through full hockey drills mm-hmm. you know using a stick mm-hmm. you know Passing, shooting, shooting stick and, handling. Uh, I saw him the other day, and I asked him, and he is just itching to play. Yeah, he just wants to, to get back out on the ice. He wants to. You talked with Don Waddell in, uh, was it Las Vegas, Michael? Yes. And he said, you know, a target date of that first week of December, yep. Victor Rask would like to move that target date up if right. he could. Right, And But the Hurricanes are going to make sure he's he's ready, of course. And, and more on that coming up on the questions here to the Kings okay. cast. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think I know exactly where you're referring to. Um so, yeah, Peter Mrazek will hopefully take these four days in between games uh, to rest up that lower body. Victor Rask probably continuing to work out on the ice as he progresses back uh, from his injury. So on the injury front, uh, I think you alluded to this earlier, this four-day break is kind of a blessing for the Hurricanes because maybe they get Brett Pesci back, who took that knee-on-knee hit on, uh, on Saturday. Maybe they get Peter Mrazek closer than what yep. he was. Perhaps he's ready to come back. Uh, and Victor Rask is is getting closer by the day. So all encouraging signs for the Hurricanes in this four-day break is going to give those players a little extra time to heal, rest, uh, and and rehab their their bumps and bruises. All right. Well, you know what it's time for, Michael? Questions? Yeah. No. Oh. Well, I know you won't have this. So If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I actually do. Oh, my. All right, then I want you to start if you can. You got to like it. 
Keep it. Go oh, for it, my friend. Somebody sent one to me. Oh, man. So I got to find it. So you start. All right. And then I'll come start. in with mine. Um, <laughs> this is going to be in the way too early to call this, but the remaining four games of this homestand will determine whether or not the Carolina Hurricanes are a playoff team. Ooh. Uh, hmm. You can send it right back. You got the option. I'm to going do it. to send it back because I do think it's too early. And I know the remaining four home games take us up to uh, Thanksgiving, past that's, Thanksgiving, that's just past why. Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, I've debunked that myth enough to try to do it again. I mean, I, there is somewhat credence to it because you are, by that point, what, a, a quarter of the way into the season, yep. o- maybe perhaps slightly over a, a quarter of the over. way in, um, and working out of a hole. In yeah, the, I think it'd be 22 games for the Kings. And you've got to get to, you figure the, the watermark's at about 95 points. So that's a that's a plus thirteen in terms of points that you have to work over uh, the last three quarters of the season. So you know that the math checks out on on why that's uh, why that's somewhat true. But I think um, I, I'm not going to hinge it all on these next four games um, because of the way the Metropolitan Division is right now. And I know it's still early to be talking about standings and and games in yep. hand and and all of that stuff. Standings really, I think. Oh, you're doing it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I, I think you start really, really looking into those maybe by the turn of the calendar, uh, January 1st. But with the way the division is right now, I don't think these four games are going to be make or break. But with that said, the Hurricanes definitely want to take advantage of them and begin to start stockpiling some points, especially considering the little slide they went on after starting the season 4 and one um, not winning consistently in the second half of the month there, not having as, as good of a road trip as they would have wanted to, three out of eight. I think on the road you're at least looking to get four out of eight, uh, and anything above that's kind of a, a, a bonus. And so so after all of that, I, I think they need this just uh, just in order to, to, to regain some of that ground that they lost, but I don't think the rest of the season is contingent upon uh, eight points coming out of these next four games. Absolutely fair. I'd send it back myself. Okay. Well, that's good. Big reason being, just look how compressed all the standings are. That's yeah. it. So, all right, man. What do you got? Have you found it? Uh, no, you haven't. You had one submitted from people, and there you go. They're they're looking out looking out for me, which I appreciate because. Don't do this, folks. Make him do his own homework. He knows this is coming up. He knows we have a podcast. What? And you're just bailing him out. What? Every single week. Bailing him out. Oh, it's going to take me a little bit. Then you don't this. have one. I do. <laughs> I do. I should really come prepared. We're just going to move along now, if this is the case. This is getting, now this is just becoming troubling. That's all this is. Okay. All right? I'll probably find it by the end of the podcast. Well, then it, we'll, we're past the segment then. The bit's done. I don't know what you want from me here. I even waited like a half hour to spring this on you. <laughs> it's fair. It's all fair. All right, it's all fine. fair criticism. Fine. It's not, I've dealt with enough irrational behavior this week. I don't need to deal with any more. We'll circle back to it. All right, fine. At some point. You can, you can put it as a question if you want to. Okay. All right? Here Just we go. Note for the record that I had one. Well, there you go. <laughs> note for the record. Somebody took the time and care to submit a like it, keep it, if not send it back to Michael Smith. And he didn't take the prerequisite time or care to bookmark it to have it for the show. So I apologize I to whoever wasted their time. I bookmarked it in my mind. I th- I'm pretty sure it was our good good friend, uh, Carl Cucumbers. <laughs> Carl Kikalis? Yes. All right. That guy. Okay. Thanks, Carl. See? See what happens, Carl? And he, now I don't. I'm still confused at how he gets... spelled his name because he tried to phonetically change the spelling. And I'm, it's still... It, like, just, it gets buried, and uh, there are a lot of notifications last night. All right, fine. Moving on. Okay. You ready? Yep. These, now we're going to go to the people, okay, answer the their people. questions. This is from Sam Kinney, who's... Hi, Sam. Thanks the, for listening. The real, the underscore real Kinney. I didn't know who the fake Kinney was, Ooh. but I don't want to know them. I'd He's got imposters. With Yanni Kokinen playing so well, do you think he'll get called up soon? Or will he stay in Charlotte, giving him a chance to keep on developing? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, I would have said, had the power play continued to not produce results, 
there would have been a good chance that you would have seen Yanni Kokkinen get an opportunity. I think right now they're going to let him continue to develop in Charlotte, but that doesn't mean we're not going to see him this year in a hurricane sweater. Yeah, uh, I think the Hurricanes got to look at him at the beginning of last season, uh, probably a little too early, um, but he's had a season to develop. He's producing down in Charlotte with the Checkers is a dynamic winger. I don't think that's exactly where the Hurricanes are, are, are really in search of. of, of uh, that's, that's not where their area of need is currently. But as you said, um, I, I wouldn't put it out of the question for him to, to play at least a game in a Hurricane sweater this season because we've seen what type of talent he is. Um, he can put the puck in the net at least in the, in the American League level. And the hope is that that can translate to the NHL level, whether it's this year or beyond. Well, that being said, uh, Valentin Zikoff has been sent down to yes. the Charlotte Checkers for a conditioning stint because he hasn't played in a while. And hopefully this does one of two things. You know, he gets the big minutes that he is looking for playing, mm -hmm. and he sees the puck on the back of the net and gives him a little bit of confidence. So Yeah, he uh, – the thing with Zikoff is he hasn't played um, – in three games. He's yep. been a healthy scratch for the team's last three games. Charlotte's going to play Wednesday and Friday and also Saturday. And conditioning stints can last up to 14 days. Uh, but he's going to get a chance to, to get in the lineup. Instead of just practicing with the team here, he's going to play huge minutes for a Charlotte team that's a little banged up now. Uh, he's going to play in, in every situation. He's going to get that playing time, maybe rebuild a little confidence uh, before coming back up here. Uh, and, and in the meantime, I think Phil DiGiuseppe has played uh, quite well yes, in the Hurricanes since his, lineup. since his recall. Yes. Because Phil DiGiuseppe goes down to Charlotte, plays a few games, comes back, scores in Chicago. He's been a factor. And that fourth line with him and Clark Bishop and uh, a couple of other wingers started with Brock McGinn, but Warren Fogle played there the other night. They've been good. Yeah. And you, uh, you, can, you can throw that fourth line back over the boards again and again, which is what Rod Brindamore wants. Rod Brindamore last night told me, he really loved how the third and fourth line labels were playing last night. He yep. thought that they were doing exactly what they needed to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get power plays and your top end guys show up and win the game for yeah. you. And that's hockey, baby. I believe a broadcaster. Who, Sounds familiar. Who asks if our Canes podcast is going to be recorded. And I had to remind him it's Canes cast. But he is correct. It is a kane's podcast and he is also correct that's yes. hockey baby yes our good friend john forsland oh hi john hi john hope you uh hope you appreciate this hope you're enjoying uh i think he's headed off to vegas to oh yes he is i believe he listens to the kane's cast while he is traveling about the country wow. well john hope you have safe travels look forward to having you back here in raleigh for skate with kane's on exactly Thursday. and if you need a place to eat john i got you that's <laughs> what i do like actually yeah Already paid for? Yeah. He just shows up and eats. I got people there. Okay. You heard it, John. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> I, he uh, won't take me up on it, but that's oh, okay. fine. So. <laughs> Maybe Bill will. Bill Berniston. Uh, did Bill, hang around. We're not saying goodbye to you just yet. Strength and conditioning coach of the Carolina Hurricanes who loves this podcast until we start talking about food or he, music or I anything else. I think he else. actually loves that, too. He just he can't admit it. You know what? I'm not going to upset I'm Bill. I'm calling him out on I'm that. not going to upset Bill. You want to go do that? Upset. You want to go do that? That's I'm your, poking the bear. That, sir, that's your black eye coming to you. <laughs> I found uh, my like it taken. Oh, all right. <laughs> go ahead. Only like five to 12 I, minutes later. I think we might have had – we might have questions related to this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not certain. But uh, literally an entire nine minutes later. Hey, better late than never. That's what I just ask say. it. Just ask it. If you like it, take it. If not, send it right from back. Carl, from Carl Celery Seeds? Carl uh, Carrots. Okay. Boarding should be an automatic double minor if the NHL wants to get rid of these hits. They need a bigger penalty than just two minutes. And this is, of course, uh, in reference to Monday night when, when Brent Seabrook boarded Andrei Svechnikov. A, a very dangerous play, whether the antenna is there or not. Very dangerous. Um, he received a two-minute minor for boarding. Jordan Martinuk came to Svechnikov's defense. There wasn't a fight. There was just some shoving and uh, roughhousing, and, and Martinuk was penalized two minutes for roughing. So the result of all of that is is four-on-four four hockey. Meanwhile, Svechnikov is, is sent off to the room to, to be checked for a concussion. Yeah. So uh, 
a farce to me that, that so, that's the result of that. But what do you say? I so want to agree with this 100%. But there's a little asterisk next to it because lots of times you got a player skating, delivering a hit. He is not going to line up a player from behind, you know, the numbers, as they say. And the player who's about to get hit turns. And now it becomes a dangerous hit because the hitty has put himself in that spot. And while I agree, if you start throwing double minors or even making a major for boarding and you want to get rid of those hits, that will. But you're also going to get rid of hitting. You're, you're going to get rid of those big – oh, No, no, I think you will, Michael, because if you're going to go to the box for four minutes for a double minor or a five-minute major for a hit like that, if it's if it's mandatory across the board, you're not going to see anybody hit anybody along the boards anymore. I think there could be a way to delineate it, sort of like the high sticking, where it's two minutes versus four minutes. But no, he said he injured. says, well, Carl, it, and Carl's point, and, and that's why I I so desperately automatic. want to agree with it, so want to agree with it, because it will get rid of those hits, and these hits are so dangerous and so dumb to deliver. But there are instances where the the player getting hit put himself in that position by turning. And, you know, it's it's not easy to stop on a dime and try to – you can say ease up. You can say it, but we're not the ones out there playing, going at top speed, trying to deliver that play. So I, I love where the spirit's at. I really – God, I want to keep that. I really do. But I think I have to send it back. Yeah. I, I But I do – I think that there's a discussion area for what you were saying, but if we're right. going with the letter of the law, right, the like automatic. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. That's all I'm saying, but it's it's a really it's a valid point, and I think it's one that should be discussed a little bit more. Yeah, if the NHL wants to be serious about player safety and and getting rid of um, these dangerous type of hits that are damaging to players whether they're young stars like Svechnikov yep. or or whoever it is there needs to be it, it doesn't make sense for essentially that to go unpenalized and, and that's essentially what happened last night because that was that was penalized and then Jordan Martinook retaliating uh, received another penalty I'm not sure why Seabrook didn't also receive a roughing minor considering he was also a part of said roughing but again that's um that's another discussion. Because I think when it happened in the game, the officials didn't want to do a lot of penalty. Yeah. I, I, well, I, honestly, I think I think when you looked at the time and the place of, of when that happened, they didn't want a power play to decide that game. Well, that's inserting themselves into the game. I understand that. I understand by not that. By them potentially not inserting themselves into the game, I they under, are inserting themselves I into the game. I understand that. I really do. But then you get the crowd that says, let them play the game. And the officiating was a different concern it was, last it was, night. Again, you're going to get suspect, and then you're going to get great, and then you're going to get the, – the one thing that no team ever says when they walk out of a building or their fans ever say, wow, the refs gave us some calls tonight. Nobody ever says that yeah. if you get them. So talking about officiating is one of the things you know. Michael, you've known me for a long time. I, I will never blame a game on officiating. They'll right. have bad calls, but you know what? They'll have good calls, and then they'll have calls that go in your team's favor. If we do want to talk about rules, though, get rid of the damn instigator penalty for fighting. Because that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that Martinuk was going to get two for instigating, and then he and Seabrook were both going to get five for fighting. And then that still would have canceled out the two-minute boarding. Right. Right? So I think so. So, yeah, that's, that's how it would work. Get rid of the instigator penalty. Because there are no more staged fights anymore in this league, not the way that they used to be. Yeah. So drop it. Drop the instigator penalty. You both get five for fighting. That sends a message on a situation like that. Seabrook gets the two minutes, and then every and everybody maybe, just moves on with it. Yeah, or just takes money out of his pocket. That'll probably NFL happen does too. that. Well, that'll happen all the time. You know, they don't always announce every fine. I don't think so. So, all right, let's. Can we go back to the questions now that you? Found yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great like it, keep it, and hopefully people like the debate on it. Yes, thank you, Carl. Uh, carrots, carrot sticks. Carl celery. I like that. Please continue to send me. Uh, like it, keep it, and I will. Yeah, he uh, doesn't. He doesn't CC me on these ones and anymore. And I will. I will save them 
uh, next time, so no, I can you get won't. to them much easier. You just you just lied. No, you just lied. Here I will. James Cash. I I mentally noted it last night, and then uh, of course couldn't find it. All right. Tonight. Let's go to uh, Cameron the Thankful Fish. Ooh. How do we calm the people panicking this start? Well, I think some concern is warranted. Play has improved quite a bit, especially special teams and goaltending. It's been consistent for the most part. What's the light at the proverbial tunnel for these panicking fans? Consistency. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I think there is. Players like Andrei Svechnikov continue to get better every single game, and he does. I mean, I think there are. Sebastian Ajo continues to develop into the star that we know that he is going to turn into. The power play does find consistency. The penalty kill finds consistency. The goaltending finds consistency. And the Canes play at a very fun level. By the way, this has been fun hockey, folks, for the most part. I think there have been two dud games this year. And other than that, that's it. That's your light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for being a thankful fish. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's it. I mean, I think there have been moments where you sort of pause and maybe have some cause for concern, and I'm sure the coaching staff has, has felt the same way. But I think overall, when you look at the bigger picture of, of what the Hurricanes have been able to do in terms of shots, in terms of scoring chances, it's encouraging. Yeah. It's encouraging what they've been able to do, and now it's a, it's a question of, of being able to finish and making those chances count. Like that. Let's move on to Lauren Williams. Lanolin? Lanolin? Like, sh- like the sheep's wool? Like our uh, shampoo in, in Vegas? Yes, you were. Our quite, shampoo and soap. You were quite happy about that. Uh, Lauren, she asks, is Dougie Hamilton getting traded for Nylander? No. 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 Okay. No. <laughs> Jen Dunn. And she's Jennifer Dunn, 74. Do you think that number 13, Fogel... All right. Checks out. That works for me. Should go down to the checkers and play there for a bit. I think he needs more development. He's good, but seems to be lost out there sometimes. That's from Jen. No, I think he's fine. I, I think he is in that, like we said, he's in that proverbial rookie situation. This is his first full year in the National Hockey League. He earned his way onto this team. I don't think he's done anything to earn his way off of it. I love Jordan Martinook and Warren Fogle on the penalty kill mm-hmm. as a as a unit together. Yeah. So, you know, five-on-five five play, it, it gets tough. And when you play with Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams, you're going to be going up against really good National Hockey League players. I think what's hurt him offensively as of late is trying to do a little too much, making one move too many. I think where he found success late last season and early this season was just – taking that quick shot or uh, making a quick decision and and just getting rid of the puck. I think now you've seen he might try to hold on to the puck for an extra dangle or or dust it off a little bit, and that's when he gets into the troubles of of turning the puck over and not being able to create those chances that he was earlier in the season. So, But I think that's all a part of the the learning curve of, of being a rookie in this league and I think we've seen enough from him to know that he's capable of overcoming that, and the hope is that he will soon. Plus for you using Dangle. Yes. Okay. Uh, this from Canes Fan for Life at Canes Fan 2006. Is it time for the lines to be moved around or a big trade to occur in order to shake things up and get the team in the right direction? That must have been a question before last night. I believe it yeah, was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, it, it is funny how uh, opinion shifts – with one game that's uh, that's really just a <laughs> wow that was like a wistful observation on, a wistful observation yeah. there my friend um well clearly it was times for the li- time for the lines to be moved around because uh brenda moore did just that heading into last night's game flipping brock mcginn and warren fogel on their respective lines and then of course the defensive pairs were jumbled up a bit with with brett pesci out of the lineup uh, so you had that Slavin-Hamilton uh, pairing reunited and, and Fleury-Van Riemsdyk. Uh, I think those things, we've seen those things help the team. We saw it in Chicago last week when uh, when when Phil DiGiuseppe was brought into the lineup in place of Valentin Zikov. Uh, and I think Brenda Moore lately has been maybe open a little more to, to shuffling around yep. the groups a little bit as they get stale. Um, but again, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it just for the sake of doing it because he does like the way 
Um, they're constructed. He likes the way he's able to use them in games with matchups. Um, and that one line that he hasn't touched, the, the Tara Vinanajo Furlan line, I think has been obviously the team's best line and most consistent line really for, for much of the season. And and I don't think you want to overreact with a big trade. I mean, even going back before last night's game uh, and even taking into account last night's game, I don't think you want to overreact uh, and, and pull the trigger on, on something that uh, on a certain move just because you're, you're panicking of uh, looking at the standings in the last five games. Knee-jerk reactions usually, usually don't get the result that people want them to have. Right. Tried to sum that up there for you. Yeah, you're That's doing. You're doing. You're doing. You're doing wonderful. It's a perfect summation of uh, of what you don't want to do as a general manager. And Don Waddell's been around l- plenty long enough to to understand that. All right, uh, T.J. Roush and Big Sam the Caniac Man. Big Sam have the same same question ish. Uh, Big Sam has a little bit more to it. With Rask returning soon, how do you think the lines will be changed up? And what of any potential roster moves? So that's what that comes down to. So um, he will move into a. It's it's funny because how good, and everybody keeps clamoring for Andre Svechnikov to move up and get more points. But Lucas Walmark, Andre Svechnikov, and Jordan Marnuk have been a very good line for this hockey team. So I'm, I'm sure when needed, more moves will happen. As Michael Smith, the Webs Michael Smith, just chronicled, but. Uh, what does Victor Rask do? He moves into the middle, and you know, without speculating, you can take a look at what would be the easiest move for the Carolina Hurricanes to do. Uh, Clark Bishop probably returns to Charlotte when Victor Rask is fully cleared to play. Yeah, I, the hope at the beginning of the season was that Martin HS would be ready to play center. That didn't prove to be true, um, and and now he's down in Charlotte where he's growing his game and and having an opportunity to 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 really learn what this North American game is yep. all about. And perhaps he comes back up and plays on the wing. I mean, that's something the Hurricanes did with Sebastian Ajo for the better part of his first two seasons. And he's moved to center this year and has been just fine in that transition. So I don't think it would be a bad idea if they looked at bringing Nechas back up within the next month or so and, and putting him on the wing easing up that transition, easing up all the defensive responsibilities that he would have as a center in the National Hockey League. Where Victor Rask fits in, I think, is right there on that third line. If you have Sebastian Ajo, you have Jordan Stahl down the middle. Then you have Victor Rask. And maybe that's where, uh, and I know some folks would like to see Svechnikov play with with Ajo and and Furlan, and that's something that that has been uh, tinkered with this season at times. We've seen that uh, that happen. I'm not sure he's the answer on the stall line. We've been over why that's the case. But but maybe him playing beside Victor Rask, who uh, has had offensive success in this league, um, w- gives him a bit of a bit of a uh, more dynamic option, a more dynamic line mate. Not to say that Lucas Walmart hasn't been good. Yeah. Because I think he's I think he's drawn into that role really well. I think he'll slot better as the team's fourth line center. Currently, he's he's playing on the team's third line because of Martin Hus not being ready, Victor Rask being out. So, I think he slots better in as the fourth line center. And I think that's your group down the middle. I think you have Aho, you have Stahl, you have Rask, and you have Walmark, and that is a, a drastic improvement in your center depth over what uh, the team has has had to play with so far. And that's nothing against. You know where Walmart's playing right now, where Clark Bishop's playing right now because he's come in. Yes, he's given you valuable penalty kill minutes. He gives you energy. Yes, I think he's played really well in his first handful of NHL games. Here. And I asked him about is the second call up different because you're now more comfortable, right? And he said absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, he comes into the room. He knows what to expect. He doesn't have those first game jitters or or worries. The wide about. eyes, yeah. Yeah, or uh, concerns about, oh, you know, I'm going to be matching up against X or Y or Z, and and what if I do this or that? You know, he's got that experience under his belt. I'm sure the coaching staff was very communicative with him of what they wanted to see him do, and I'm sure Mike Vellucci has been the same down in Charlotte. 
So I, I think he's played very well. But Victor Rask, adding Victor Rask to the lineup, a guy who had a really productive summer, was looking forward to getting back on the ice this year and, and really, uh, I think, taking a step forward. Inserting him back into the lineup is going to be a big boost for this Hurricanes club. Uh, and I think it's going to be fun to watch uh, him get back in the lineup and see how he can change uh, this Hurricanes offense that's creating shots and it's creating chances. Perhaps the finish is lacking, and I know he's Swedish, but perhaps he can bring a little finish. Wow. You have won Boggle today. Good for you. Cheers. Well done. <laughs> Speaking of that cheers, really bad. let's say goodbye to strength and conditioning coach Bill Burns. Because oh. we did have four Bye days bet. on the road. He might have uh, stopped listening already. No, he, might he, be, he makes it when it's hockey he and might be injuries. on the way to my office to just... Oh, yeah. Uh, Lay waste to you, and I won't stop him. Exactly. I won't stop him. Well, it was fun doing the podcast with you. Well, no, he will not end you. <laughs> he might. No. He's no. a big man. Yes, he is. Strong man. If if it gets to that, Michael, as much as Bill Berniston is my best friend. I mean, you're you're my Canes cast and uh, on the on the road fellow fellowship that we have yes. put here. So I'd uh, Billy'd have to go through me. Okay. All right. Just so well, we're clear. I don't know if I'd be able to warn you in time. He might. It just doesn't matter. He will just. He, he'll probably just now that I've said it. He'll probably just come and go through me anyway. Hopefully that tires him out a little bit. We're definitely getting a text later. Yeah, that's happening. (laughs) So anyways, here we go. Billy B., you're still my best friend. And goodbye, because we're talking food now. So we went to St. Louis and Chicago after Monday's edition of the Canes cast. And uh, quick quick shout-out to the Lou, where many things were happening. Yeah. As we uh, got a quick dinner there. I got uh, a St. Louis pizza, which was lovely. It's square. They use uh, Provenzal cheese, or which is rectangle. Yeah, whatever you prefer. I don't care. But I it's not a mozzarella. It's it's like it's a thing that's like just they're the only city that uses it. It melts really awesome. It's a good cheese, enjoyable. Sauce on the side. That's I leave that for San you. Louis. That's your that's your baby. That's a good restaurant. It's a calzone restaurant. Yes. They also have salads, but really you go there for the calzones. Yes. And. Um, all sorts of funky stuff, creative stuff, and the sauce is on the side, hence the name of the restaurant, Sauce on the Side. All fantastic. And then you Chicago. can't go wrong. Oh, Chicago is just a wonderful city. Great food city. One of the best cities in the National Hockey League. Yeah. We never it, – it doesn't seem like we ever spend a whole lot of time there for whatever reason. And I know it's a Western Conference city. We, we never spend a whole lot of time in any Western Conference city, but that seems to be one that – it's always either tacked on to the end of the trip, end of a trip, or uh, you know, it's in the strange. middle of a trip, and we got to go someplace real quick afterwards. Yeah, know? it's unfortunate because it is a great city. It's windy, <laughs> and it's also the city of big shoulders. Yeah, and it's cold. I fit right in, <laughs> and it. they have pizza, deep dish. Yes, they do, which I got for lunch before the game. You uh, double dipped at Velvet, Velvet Taco. Yeah, if you ever want uh, good tacos in Chicago, go to Velvet Taco. I think they also have a location in Dallas. Um, but they had this one taco. The that chicken I could and have, waffle taco. Ooh. Which I got uh, Mouth is before you, sir, and then you yeah. got it for lunch. You're well, welcome. You, you got it. Uh, and, you know, we were reading it on the menu, and I was like, oh, that's that's tempting. That's involved. And you were like, yep, it's happening. And, and you it got did. it, oh. and it did happen, and you loved it. And so I went back for lunch the next day and ordered it as well. Basically, the taco shell was a waffle, yeah, a but, thin but a waffle. thin waffle. Yes. So think of like a waffle cone, mm, yep. not crunchy, like when you know they lay out the batter and they like just cook it, just not to where they get it crunchy. And then they put in like an apple slaw. Ooh, really there was good. maple syrup. Mm-hmm. There was some kind of like a gravy or a sauce. And, and then chicken, gravy. and it was spicy. Oh, it hit every note. It, it really was wonderful. Did. Sweet, spicy, savory, delicious. Scrumptious. One of the best yum. few. One of the best few. Hashtag. Yes. Yum. Hashtag scrumptious. Really good taco. Yeah. One of the one of the best bites of food I've had on the road this year. Um, and then uh, not that Gibson Steakhouse needs oh, yeah. needs any more pub. It is one of the more famous restaurants in Chicago. But we went there for lunch and it was amazing. It was. It's uh, you. We walk past it and oh, the Gibsons. Well, I think that. Y- 
truth be told, Michael and I are not rolling on dubs. Is that still a thing? Well, I did in St. Louis. Right, okay. Just because I was in St. Louis. <laughs> That's true. You have to roll on dubs. <laughs> Good there. for you. Uh, but you think steakhouse, you're like, oh, for lunch, it's, I, we don't have enough money for that. Nope, very affordable also, for lunch. Also, uh, we had discussed not eating heavy for lunch, and then we went to a steakhouse Then we for went lunch. heavy. <laughs> then we went heavy. It was delicious, though. It was wonderful. Yeah. So there you go. There you have it. Those are our food towels from the road. So Chicago is a great eating, eat, great eating city. St. Louis, sauce on the side. I feel kind of bad because that seems to be the only place we go, but it's so good. That's why we go. And, uh, you know, unless we're missing something, the downtown area we're at just doesn't have a lot. Not a lot going on. No, it's, it's no. Kind of okay. depressing, actually. Well, ribs and barbecue, but. Ribs. Ribs. I had ribs for lunch. <laughs> the pleats michael it's the pleats <laughs> all right that'll do it for this episode of the canes cast episode 65 we're not ready to retire even though canes cast has reached the age to do that mm -hmm. so we will talk to you next week good news is we'll have two games on the weekend to talk about oh yeah on the canes cast so for the webs michael smith and tv's mike maniscalco we will talk to you next week bye-bye thank you <laughs>